Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. of the flesh last week so I'm starting just right at the fruit of the spirit we got through the first three of uh, love and joy and peace and man that just makes a person all warm and fuzzy all over whenever you talk about love joy and peace sign me up for the fruit of the spirit when you talk about love joy and peace but we're starting out today we're going to start talking about long suffering and there's a holy pause that comes whenever then you start talking about things like that but the Bible says in Galatians 5 and verse number verse number 22 I believe it is. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such. There is no law. We can freely participate in all of those particular facets of the fruit of the spirit. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust we live in the spirit let us also walk in the spirit remember that uh, walking in the spirit living in the spirit that inward and then that that inward and that outward then conduct and behavior uh, that is spoken of through those two frames of living in the spirit walking in the spirit so we're going to look at the fruit of the spirit here again today we're going to start with long suffering i'm going to pray that the lord would help us in the next little while amen as we look at the word of the lord father i love you jesus today God, I'm appreciative, Lord, for this opportunity, Lord, by means of technology to be able to minister your word, Lord, and teach your word, Lord, into the lives of the individuals, Lord, that have signed on, Lord, to hear the word of the Lord. God, we know, Lord, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. You're able to increase, God, and somehow, Lord, bolster someone's faith today by the hearing of the word. I pray, oh God, give your servant, God, adequate words this morning to be able to share, God, what your spirit says in the name of jesus christ that i pray amen and amen god bless you this morning in jesus name the fruit of the spirit again we looked at love and joy and peace and all of the works of the flesh last week we gave some definitions to those works of the flesh some that uh, may be difficult for some to understand or didn't know what they what they were but this morning we're continuing to talk about the fruit of the spirit one of the facets of the fruit of the spirit being long suffering and as i said as as christians sometimes we get to this particular facet of the fruit of the spirit and it gives us a holy pause and i don't know what it is that causes us to cringe whether it's the long portion of it or the suffering but nonetheless long suffering is one of uh, the facets of the fruit of the spirit and the name within itself suggests to us that Uh, We may have to suffer a long time uh, even to cultivate to cultivate this aspect of the fruit of the spirit in our own lives. We have no better example concerning long suffering to model or uh, to follow after in our own lives than the Lord Jesus Christ. He was absolutely uh, patient and long suffering, although I believe uh, we can strike a line of difference between patience and long suffering. But he, he was a long suffering. Uh, he, he is still long suffering for that matter with us each and every day. And just to strike just from the onset, a little bit of the difference between long suffering and patience, uh, long suffering is something that is typically, uh, something that we exercise between us and another individual. Uh, patience typically I'm talking about biblically typically is something that is exercised uh, between you and a circumstance trial tribulation difficulty uh, whatever it may be this is what the psalmist David said or the psalmist said rather in Psalms 86 in verse number 15 speaking of the Lord but thou O Lord art a God full of compassion and gracious long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and in truth. We have a long-suffering God, even found in the Old Testament Scripture in writ 
is the story in the book of Genesis whenever Moses had ascended the mount of God uh, to receive instruction concerning the commandments, the pattern to the tabernacle and the wilderness. And while Moses was up there and Israel was at the base of the mountain at a standstill, uh, somewhat idle, if you will, not continually going on in their wilderness journey, uh, someone got the bright idea that uh, they would take all the gold and such that they would have, throw it into an oven, uh, engrave upon it, and create a golden calf. And they created this golden calf, and it was bespoken that these are the gods that delivered you uh, from Egypt. And so they were being merry, and they were dancing, and they were having all these festivities at the base of the Mount of God while Moses was in that, that holy place, if you will, of the top of the Mount with the Lord. And whenever Moses came down from the Mount and he had seen what was taking place, they could hear it before they ever approached it at the base of the Mount. The Bible speaks of how Moses broke the tablets of stone that had just been made and created in his hands. And the Bible speaks that even in this moment that God... Uh, passed by and proclaimed that he was the Lord God. He was merciful, gracious, and I consider the moment right here, and long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. That's found uh, in Exodus 34, actually, that story, not Genesis, but Exodus 34, uh, where all that surfaces and comes about. So they're, they're doing everything. Uh, many of the commandments that Moses was bringing down in their hands, they had already broken uh, at the base of the mountain. Moses is enraged, but God comes by uh, declaring that he is a merciful God, a gracious God, a long-suffering God. And uh, we are certainly thankful today that he is because I know on more than one occasion each of us has experienced the long suffering of God concerning us and our deeds and our own activities the Bible says in second Peter Chapter number three, we have a lot of scripture today. Amen. Didn't want to disappoint anybody. Amen. During these weeks of you being gone, we have a lot of scripture today. Second Peter three and verse number nine, the Bible says the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen. Again, God is long-suffering to usward. He's not slacking his promise. What Peter is dealing with here is a time in which uh, people were uh, becoming doubtful about the return of the Lord, about him coming back for them. Amen. They felt like they were waiting and, and it hadn't happened yet. Like many today even may feel like they've been waiting on the return of the Lord. They heard their grandparents and parents speak about it, yet it has not occurred yet. Peter told them, God's not slack concerning his promise. He says, but God is alone suffering to us word. He says, what you see is maybe God not making good on his promise. What you see is that is really God being long suffering. God allowing a space of time for people to amend their ways and make their lives in alignment with his will and with his purpose. Uh, in short, to get right with God. Uh, he is being long-suffering because he, he, in reality, the Lord doesn't uh, desire that any would perish. He, he's not desiring that any would be lost, but that all would come through the proper means of repentance unto the Lord. That would be his desire. And so he's alone suffering. And when God suffers alone with us, what that provides to you and I as individuals, that provides then an opportunity for us. What we have is an opportunity then to receive forgiveness. And what we have is an opportunity then also to repent. Again, long-suffering has to do many times with that attitude that people have with another individual. And so God's long-suffering is the attitude that he has, amen, with us. Amen, with us. And so we're thankful today, amen, for that. Again, patience has to do with circumstances. And there's a lot of overlap uh, between these two because many times whenever you are dealing uh, with circumstances, circumstances are tied to people. Right. Uh, some of the circumstances we uh, go through are tied to people. And so there's that overlap of long suffering and patience. Amen. Within our lives. But we need to understand 
that uh, we, we must avoid some of the common uh, varieties or some of the common places of, of impatience uh, or, or not showcasing long-suffering, particularly uh, when we become impatient or not long-suffering with God's schedule and timing. Uh, there are times that uh, the Bible even speaks to us that we get weary and well-doing. The Bible says in Galatians 6 and 9, and let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season, those are some key words in that verse, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Uh, but we do become weary sometimes, but the problem with seasons is this, seasons are unpredictable. Seasons are not always the same length. It's, sometimes winter is shorter than what we think it should be. Other times, you know, fall or, you know, the other season may seem longer than what it should be or what we expect it to be. And so seasons are not, not always the same. They are unpredictable. But we must uh, remain firm. We must remain with a resolve and not become, uh, not practicing long-suffering concerning the Lord's scheduling and timing. The psalmist said in Psalms 27 and verse 14, wait on the Lord. There's a good song that derives from this verse. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now, the aspect of this verse that says that he shall strengthen thy heart is tied to the two former phrases there of the verse. Uh, your heart will be strengthened if you wait on the Lord and are of good courage. That's where the promise of the principle is. There's going to be a strengthening of our heart as long as we're waiting and being of good courage concerning the Lord. Also, we sometimes have a hard time uh, showcasing long-suffering or patience, if you want to call it, since there is a overlap with people and circumstances uh, during our trials, during our difficult times, maybe even now. Maybe even now it's uh, getting difficult to practice long-suffering or to be patient. James 1 verses 2 through 4 says, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations, or the word temptations, divers trials and adversities, a variety of trials, a variety of adversities. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith Work of patience, but let patience have her perfect work or complete work that ye may be perfect or and entire, wanting nothing. So count it all joy. Amen. We're going to get through this. We can get through this. Thank the Lord for the fruit of the Spirit that's going to help us get through this. The Bible also says in 2 Timothy 4 and 5, but watch thou in all things, endure afflictions. Endure hardships, trials, do the work of an evangelist and make foolproof of thy ministry. Now, the other aspect of long-suffering that really is emphasized when we talk about the facet of the fruit of the spirit of long-suffering is not being long-suffering with one another. Everybody likes to be on the receiving end of long-suffering. But it's more difficult to be on the giving end of long-suffering. I'm thankful when people suffer long with me, but uh, it really tries the true uh, core of the fruit of the Spirit in my own life whenever I'm trying to practice long-suffering with someone else. Amen. As a matter of fact, the Bible even tells us in one portion of Scripture that we must put on long-suffering and that when we put that on, the essence of long-suffering is that we are for forbearing with one another and that we are forgiving toward one another. You can find that in Colossians 3. The Bible, though, says in Ephesians 4, verses 1 and 2, I, therefore, this is the Apostle Paul that is speaking here. He says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called with all lowliness. So he's telling us really how with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering forbearing, which means suffering, enduring, putting up with. Every once in a while, we got to put up with one another. Amen. Forbearing uh, one another in love. And so really, Paul's telling us how to, in a certain means, how to walk worthy of our vocation. We got to walk with lowliness and with long-suffering and with forbearance concerning one another. Amen. In love. And so uh, long-suffering is one of these great characteristics Amen, of, of a 
Christian that is maturing and developing in the relationship with the Lord in the Spirit. The next facet of the fruit of the Spirit that comes in our list in Galatians 5 is the aspect of gentleness. Gentleness. Gentleness is kindness in many regards that we show to others. And as a footnote, that we show to others, and it's not just people that we like. Uh, showing kindness to others, the, it's universal. It is a blanket that covers all. Uh, and the, the fact of the matter is this, it's doing that and not expecting anything per se in return. So it's showing kindness without necessarily looking for there to be any reciprocation of that kindness. Uh, it is... It is the spirit, I think, that it's important. And here, this is a quote from Norman Bartlett. He says, it's the spirit that would rather be hurt by others than hurt others. He says, that's gentleness. It's the spirit that would, that would rather be hurt by others than to hurt others. This is what the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 24. And the servant of the Lord must not strive. But, here's the contrast, but be gentle Unto all men apt to teach and patient. Uh, a very good example in the Old Testament of gentleness or kindness that was showed uh, to somebody and not expecting anything in return was whenever David showed kindness to the son of Jonathan by the name of Mephibosheth. He even asked, is there not any left of the house of Saul that I can show kindness unto and so David had Mephibosheth brought uh, to his palace brought to where he was David gave back to Mephibosheth the land that belonged to his family of Jonathan and Saul gave that land back to him had servants for him that would work the land that he would get the produce of the land but even to go beyond that because it wouldn't seem like much for a man to give back something that in reality was rightly part of the family heirloom all right I know that's kind to a certain degree, but when you receive something back that really is yours, then, you know, there's a, certain, there's a certain edge and difference there. But David even goes a step further concerning kindness. Remember, Mephibosheth is a lame in both of his feet. He has been from a young child when he was dropped by his nurse. He's in lame in both of his feet. And yet David don't only just give him the land that belongs to his, his family and his heritage back to him. The Bible says that he allowed Mephibosheth to sit at his table and eat at his table. Now, folks, that's kindness because here's the thing. It doesn't seem like Mephibosheth, you know, would really be able to do anything in an equal return unto David. Amen. But David, nonetheless, is showing kindness, gentleness for our purposes of the fruit of the Spirit. Gentleness unto Mephibosheth. The Bible says in Ephesians 4 and verse 32, And be ye kind one to another tender-hearted, forgiving one another. And here is the example, even as God, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So again, in all of these, these fruit of the Spirit, they belong, uh, these aspects belong to the Spirit. And so our utmost example, of course, is God. There are other people through the Scripture, such as David with Mephibosheth. There are other examples in the Scripture that are played out. But our utmost example where we need to uh, tie our own lives to, always first and foremost, is the Lord. Amen. Because that Spirit is able to cause those things to surface in our own lives if we are obedient unto them. Amen. Uh, the Bible even speaks of in Psalms, and I don't have the scripture for the media, but in Psalms 18, the Bible even speaks, uh, the psalmist is speaking to the Lord concerning his gentleness. He said, basically, thy gentleness hath made me great. That's awesome. His gentleness has made us great. Your gentleness has become my greatness. That's an awesome thought to consider Amen of the Lord. And so we are called uh, through the aspect of gentleness to be to be strong. Yes, but we must be gentle. We can still yet be firm, but you can also at the same time in being firm, be kind. Amen. And so we can be determined and compassionate at the same time. A, a, a twin or of close to kin to gentleness in the aspects of the fruit of the spirit 
is, is goodness as well. And if you want to learn any more about any of these, again, I know there's a 12-part series out there uh, in our podcast on the fruit of the Spirit uh, that goes in detail, takes each one of these a week at a time uh, or a service at a time in depth. And so goodness, kindness, they're, they're so almost like twins. They go hand in hand. Goodness is a, is a inward quality that expresses itself outwardly. It's the inward quality that expresses itself outwardly in our good works. Jesus compared uh, good works to the salt and light that we were to where we were to be in the gospel of Matthew 5. Matthew 5, verse number 13, the Bible says, Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see. Here it is, your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. Amen. And so he's concerning uh, the spirit of goodness that we have, but then that express itself outwardly in our and by our good works. As spirit-filled Christians, as born-again believers, we are called by God unto good works. Good works, in reality, according to Scripture, are the byproducts of a inner goodness that we have received, which is the spirit of the almighty Lord. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 10, for we are his workmanship. Speaking, we are God's workmanship. We are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus unto good works. We are the masterpiece that he has created for the purpose of good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in, in them god has made it and created us for the purpose amen of good works amen and so we understand in scripture the bible also teaches us that we are not saved by good works nor do we become righteous by our good works amen but our good works are a part, amen, of our born-again experience, amen, that whenever we've come to know the Lord and we've been filled with the power of his spirit, we have before ordained, been before ordained, amen, to the purpose unto the practice of good works, that the goodness that we receive in our lives would be showcased on the exterior of our lives, amen, through and by good works works and so with that in mind we need to it should be a daily practice of ours as christians because again as we're looking at the fruit of the spirit it are some of those other indicators these are uh, that we have received the spirit of the lord beyond uh, the infilling of the holy ghost and speaking in other tongues as the spirit gives the utterance and so these are the other things that surface uh, that declared that we are becoming disciples of the lord we are maturing in our relationship with the spirit that we have received and so as a result of that on a daily basis we need to ask the lord uh, to cleanse us search us uh you know our inward parts so that we'll have the correct display amen as christians unto the lord that we'd be pure and good david said in psalms 139 and verse 23 search me O god and know my heart try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting and so we want to protect, amen, in certain means and ways, the goodness that we, is instilled inside of us by surrounding ourselves more so with the good than we are the evil. We even have the scripture in Philippians 4 that admonishes us that, you know, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things have a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise to think on these things in doing so, we are safeguarding the goodness within the lives of the people and so that it would be showcased appropriately, amen, through the lives as Christians. The other aspect of the fruit of the Spirit in the list that follows goodness is faith. The aspect 
of faith. Amen. This particular aspect of the fruit of the Spirit involves not only faith as believing without seeing, but also a devotion. There is it's close of kin to faithfulness. Close of kin. Uh, many translations in the Scripture, when it translates Galatians 5 outside of the King James Version, there are other translations that translate the, this aspect of the fruit of the Spirit as faithfulness. But uh, the actual Greek word that is used here in, in 239 out of the 244 times that it is used, it is translated in the Bible as just plain faith. Uh, because faithfulness and faith, they are close of akin, but there is somewhat of a slight difference because faithfulness is like uh, about me. It's my, uh, it's my uh, reliability and, and my trustworthiness uh, to come through on something. But faith is, is what we have faith in. There is an object to our faith, and it's about its reliability and trustworthiness. All right. And so faithfulness more looks at us. But here's the thing concerning faithfulness in God. Whenever my ob when the object of my faith is God and he is sound and he is reliable and he's trustworthy, that helps me with my faithfulness. Hallelujah. Because the scripture speaks of him. Great is his faithfulness. And so it, it, it should become more easy. It should be easier, I should say, to be faithful to someone who is faithful. Amen. Faithful to someone who is faithful. And so Jesus Christ, the Lord, our Lord and Savior, amen, is the most faithful of all. And so as a result of that, as a result of his faithfulness, I can have faith, all right? I can have faith in him. And means in which I have faith in him, my belief and my devotion to him. I know right now uh, we are uh, practicing this holding pattern right now for the safety and protection of the health of the people. Uh, but whenever this is not in place, our means of devotion to him then is seen and cometh, comes about by our, our, our attendance to a house of God with a collective body of people. Uh, exercising our faith and belief by our financial support, uh, not necessarily to an institution, but unto the Lord. It helps, it benefits the church, no doubt, but when we give, we give as unto the Lord. Our devotion in our prayer, uh, in our devotion time of reading the word of the Lord and our witnessing, our, our personal experience with God, faith is found in all of those things and so believing and trusting in God in the different areas of our lives having confidence and reliance uh, in God uh, regardless in reality regardless the circumstances regardless the circumstances the Bible says Hebrews 10 23 let us hold fast the profession of our our faith without wavering for he is here it is faithful that promise. And so that's what, again, stokes my fire of being able to be, have and exercise faith. It's because he is faithful. The next fruit of the spirit that comes in the list is meekness. Meekness. It is probably one of the most underappreciated aspects of the fruit of the spirit. Meekness. Sometimes people confuse meekness with weakness, but meekness... Uh, is not weakness. As a matter of fact, the most basic definition of meekness probably can be summed up in three words, and that's power under control. Power under control. Jesus personified meekness in his earthly ministry. Uh, he was not a doormat. He was not a pushover, but he was, he was humble. He was modest. Amen. He was power under control. He he was both 100% man and 100% God. And he knew when to let the divine side have uh, full control in a way. And when he, as a human, right, had to have that power under control as well. And so he was a good example of a meek man. And so we should examine his behavior in order to understand meekness a little bit more. Matthew 11 and verse 29. Look at this verse of scripture, if you will, concerning meekness. Jesus is speaking here. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls. He says, take and this is interesting. Take my yoke 
upon you and learn of me. Now here, the interesting thing about yokes is, is that the yoke of an animal was, it was tailor-made. The yoke of an animal was tailor-made uh, by a carpenter or one that worked in that, that particular field of making yokes. It was tailor-made to the animal. Uh, you know, you could go somewhere today and get a tailor-made suit. It's going to fit better than just a store-bought, uh, you know, size 42 regular that's on the, on the, the rack. If you go and get a suit tailor-made, it's just going gonna, gonna to fit you. It's going to be tailor-made to you. Well, they would tailor-make these yokes for the animal. So they were a custom fit for the animal. And so it's kind of interesting then. Because the Lord says, take my yoke upon you. This, this yoke of the Lord has been tailor-made for the Lord. In other words, it fits the contours for an animal. It fits the contours of their body. It's tailored to them. For the Lord, then, in the, in the symbolism or in the analogy that's made here, it would fit the contours of who he is. But he says, take my yoke upon you. And look what he says, and learn of me. Because if I take a yoke that wasn't tailor-made for Paul McGee, and I put it upon me, listen to me now, it's going to rub me in areas where it would not have rubbed the Lord because it was tailor-made for him. But look what he says. He says, learn of me. So if there's an area where when you get my yoke upon you that it rubs you in or that there's a gap in, Maybe you're not even touching it. Then you need to learn because those are areas where you're not like me in. He says, I'm meek. I'm lowly. Amen. So we can learn of the Lord when we take his tailor-made yoke, fit it upon us, and as it rub or doesn't rub in certain areas, we understand that those are areas that we are different from him in. And so in this process of the aspects of the fruit of the Spirit and having received the Spirit of God, we're wanting to grow up into the image of Christ Jesus. That's the Scripture. We grow thereby the Word of the Lord, the Scripture says. And so as we have his yoke upon him, we're learning more about him. We're learning more about his attributes and his practices and really about ourselves where we need to be in the scale of those things. Amen. The Bible, speaking of Moses in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, the Bible deems and underscores Moses as the meekest man who lived upon the earth. Again, Moses is not a, a, a weak man. He delivered a whole nation uh, from Egypt. He stood toe-to-toe uh, with Pharaoh and some of the great powers of that day, uh, proclaiming, let God's people go. Yet he was a man of meekness and humility. The Bible says in Numbers 12 and verse 3, Now the man Moses was very meek, here it is, above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. All right? He's a very meek person. And here is probably uh, a very good example that highlights the meekness of Moses. And that's when he was approached by Miriam and by Aaron concerning his his marriage and, and who he married. And whenever they came and approached him, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses concerning uh, his marriage. And the Bible, you read at the context of Scripture, you find it in Numbers 12 there, the Bible says that Moses did not retaliate with any words in his defense. He doesn't speak any words of his own in his own defense. All right? As a matter of fact, the first time, this, this, whew, the first time that Moses even speaks in this context is after Miriam has been plagued with leprosy because she spoke against Moses as the deliverer, the man of God here. She's struck with leprosy. And the first time we hear anything from Moses, again, not in his own defense, he's asking God if he would heal Miriam from her leprosy. Now, you want to talk about a meek man. Power under control. Uh, is no doubt showcased in that particular instance. Amen. And so, meekness, power, and control, what we really know in this, this scenario and moment, we can be meek. Our strength comes from knowing that God is ultimately in control and yielding our plans and our ideas and agendas and ambitions, uh, mostly 
unto the Lord. And so meekness is absolutely the opposite of, of self-serving ambition. Uh, it's the opposite of self-serving ambition. Uh, for instance, in Moses' life, Moses had a goal, and that goal was to do the will of God, to do the will of the Lord. He did not have an agenda to push uh, of his own, and so it developed meekness in his life. And meekness develops whenever we submit ourselves to the control of the Lord, to the control of the Spirit that we have received. Really, our self-control is based upon God's control in our life. Amen. Hallelujah. And we can follow the will of God. One of the ways which we can continue to grow in meekness is continue to allow the word of the Lord, amen, to have its will and its say so in our lives as well. Uh, James spoke about how we received with meekness the engrafted word of God. All right, we received with meekness the engrafted word of God because whenever, whenever a branch is actually engrafted in a tree, there is an incision made in the tree first in order for there to be a placement for that engrafted part to have a place. And over a period of time then through growth, it's hard to tell, amen, where the incision was ever made. It just becomes a part of the tree, all right? So when we receive with meekness the engrafted word of the Lord, we got to make a space in our life for the word. Amen. We got to make a space in our life for the word for it to become engrafted so that uh, days from now, you can't really tell where one started and the other one finished. You know, it becomes one, a whole, uh, a whole uh, within itself, not a part, but a whole. It's just one is part of the other. Amen. The last, the last thing in the list of the fruit of the spirit, the last aspect is temperance. Temperance. Amen. Involves controlling our, our emotions, our passions, our behaviors, temperance. Uh, in the Greek, it literally means ruled from within. Ruled from within. Meaning that we're ruled from within by the Spirit of God. Having that Spirit of God control in our life. So, to be temperate is to exercise self-control or self-restraint over ourselves that we must be moderate and controlled in all things we can't be indulgent and give in to excess in many different things the bible says in second peter 1 verses 5 and 6 and beside this give all diligence add to your faith virtue to virtue knowledge to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness primarily according to the word of the lord the primary aspect in which temperance was first and foremost to be exercised or it was showcased in Scripture is in sexual matters. But it also then extends to many other things as well. For instance, you must be temperate as far as your anger. The Bible tells us to be angry and sin not, but sometimes we can get excessive in our anger. We got to be temperate. You, to another aspect of being temperate, being temperate in your spending. Your finances, you can be frivolous uh, and, and lack temperance in that area. Uh, temperate in your eating. Well, until it's about time to close. Amen. <laughs> Gluttony. Being temperate in your eating. Uh, being temperate, being temperate in, in resting. Uh, what are you saying, Brother McGee? I'm saying you can be lazy. This is why they put it at the end, I guess. Amen. Lazy. You, 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 there's, you, there, we all need rest. That's great and wonderful. But you can get to a place where you cross a line where restfulness have went to laziness. Well, glory. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says this in Proverbs 25. I'm smiling. I'm just happy to be here. Proverbs 25 and verse 28. The Bible says, he that hath no rule. Over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. You have no rule over your own spirit. You, you have no restraint, no temperance over your own spirit. You're like a city that is broken down and without walls. And what that, a, a city, uh, particularly in the culture of the Bible, a city that, that was broken down, particularly didn't have any walls, was a city that was unprotected. 
If a city didn't have walls, it was an unprotected city. And so if you don't have no restraint, you are unprotected. Uh, you, you are without protection. And so temperance, yes, it, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to require some self-discipline. The Apostle Paul even spoke about it uh, with an analogy in 1 Corinthians 9. He spoke about it concerning the, the athletic contestants that they would have that were running a race and they were competitors. And in order to run that race and even train for the months that they did prior to in the Grecian games, they had, the Bible says, to be temperate in, in, in all things because they had to bring their body in subjection to some rigorous schedules and rigorous practices for the purpose of inheriting a crown. Look what, look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 25. And every man that striveth for mastery, that's what we want, striveth for mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. He's making comparison here. But we an incorruptible crown. They're doing that for, you know, little, little grass and twigs and flowers that's Fate, and this is the amazing thing, whenever they had those little laurel crowns, many times they were already fading by the time that they were awarded them. So they're doing that for a corruptible crown, but we folks, we are being temperate for the purpose of an incorruptible crown. And he says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. What he's talking about, he says, I, I try to be temperate. Try to be temperate with my body and bring in the subjection. Lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway as well. Amen. So temperance, temperance is seen by what we don't do more than what we do. It's seen by what we don't do more than what we do. Amen. If I can just give some con- Including words here today, and it'll take me a little while. Give me 10 minutes. Um, so we're cultivating these aspects of the fruit of the Spirit in our life. And it is sometimes a process. Uh, it does not take place overnight. Just the same as, as a fruit on a tree doesn't just come to full maturity overnight. It doesn't take place overnight. And as a result of that, I want to encourage someone today that if you've tried the Lord's yoke on and it is rubbing in some areas, don't be discouraged. Don't feel frustrated. Don't feel overwhelmed. Amen. We, we can one day at a time following the word of the Lord. Amen. Being in constant connection with him. Amen. Work, if you will, all of those areas. Amen. Out through and by his spirit and his help. And so sometimes here's the difficulty then as, as Christians in Christianity. Sometimes the difficulty is in our walk with God. Uh, the things that we are involved in, then, Brother McGee, what, what things are right, what things are wrong, what things are okay, what are things that we should abstain from. And sometimes we'll go to the word of the Lord, and the word of the Lord will give us a particular precept, a very detailed word in the Scripture that says something is, is kosher or good or not good or right or wrong. Uh, then other times the word of the Lord may just give us a principle, an overarching, an overarching, if you will, guideline. helping us to to, uh, make decisions and and help us in a variety of circumstances. It may not be word for word, but there's a general scope of, of a principle there that may be helping us. And sometimes it's just not real explicit. And so I want to go just real quickly over some help that the Scripture gives us, some guidelines where we can make some uh, scripturally based choices where there isn't a precept or where there isn't per se a principle from the word of the Lord. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 23, it says all things are lawful for me, which means he's saying all things are permissible for me, but all things are not expedient. In other words, all things are not helpful though. All things are not profitable, though, for me. For that matter, all things are not good for me. All right? He says, all things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. And so here is one of the guidelines then concerning those things that have no connection to a precept or a principle in our Christian lives is, number one, ask yourself this question. Does this then edify? Does this edify, which simply means to build up. Is this building up my relationship with the Lord? Is this going to help make a a positive contribution 
uh, to my relationship with God. Because if it's not edifying, even though it may be permissible, if it isn't good for me, then I don't need to engage in that. Another test uh, that the scripture gives us is in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 31. It goes on. Wherefore, whether therefore rather, (laughs) that sounds like a mouthful. Let's start over. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. And so there's a two-part guideline here. Does it edify? Does it build up? Does it glorify God? Does it glorify God? And so where there's not a precept or a principle, you might need to take these two very simple tests and lay them against it. Does it glorify God? Does it edify for that matter, I'll, I'll, I'll go just a, a little step further of some other little things to use in your personal life. I'm going to read. They don't have this uh, for you on the live feed, but I'm going to read from the Amplified Bible of 1 Corinthians 6 and 12. The Amplified Bible says it like this. Everything is permissible, allowable, and lawful for me, but not all things are helpful, good for me to do, expedient, and profitable when considered with other things. Everything is lawful for me, but I will not become a slave of anything or be brought under its power. This is very important. So the proper administration then of the scripture in our lives is this. Just four things here real quickly. Number one, you ask yourself the question, is it lawful? Is there any precept? Is there any principle that's prohibiting this action, my involvement in this? And then you go to step number two. Uh, concerning the principles, principles really step two. Is there a principle to help guide my conduct? If there's not a precept, is there a principle? Is there a generality that helps guide? Number three, if it is lawful, if I can say, yeah, this is lawful, it passes the test of step one and two, then you ask yourself, is it expedient? Is it profitable then unto you? And number four, I think, is a big one because number four is where it may hit each of us personally in a different way. Because number four is this, if I practice this or if I do this, will it become my master? Because the scripture said that we will not become a slave of anything or brought under its power. And so if it's something that seems to be permissible and everything's okay, but in your life that thing is becoming not the slave but coming the master to you, then at that point in the journey, you need to disengage. Whenever it is becoming the master and you are becoming the slave because it's undoubtedly becoming now a stumbling block unto you and a hindrance unto you. I'll try to close here real quickly. Amen. I'm looking at the time and I see it. I'm conscious of it. Amen. First Corinthians eight and verse number nine. Let me skip down to here. Concerning our walks and relationships with God. We are a part of a body. We're a part of the body of Christ. We're not an island to ourselves or living this Christian journey on our own. There are others that are living it alongside of us that we are part of the body too, that we are connected to. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 8 and 9, and let me, let me just give a little context here, the verse, the subject matter of 1 Corinthians 8, much of it has to do with eating those things that were offered and sacrificed to, to idols. It's a big discussion. Amen. I'd done a lesson a long time ago, and it's not anywhere out there, but it was for our own church family concerning controversial issues. But the eating of those things that were offered and sacrifices to idols, some thought no big deal. Others thought, no, it is a big deal. This is what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 8 and 9. But take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours. He was saying if if you're going to say it was okay then to eat this, this liberty of yours, be careful lest this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. And through my study uh, that I did, it was quite in depth, but I just want to share just the proper rule here from 1 Corinthians 8. If you read the whole chapter that perhaps you can glean, amen, from the word of the Lord. The rule is basically this, that in issues of controversy within your own life, that, that you believe you have liberty and someone else says, no, we shouldn't have liberty. And we need to be conscious of our brothers and sisters. And the rule in 1 Corinthians 8 is this. It's always appropriate to take the higher road of standard so that we ain't becoming a stumbling block to somebody else that is different in the context of a body and walking aside along one another and so scripture admonishes us there are things that we're going to put off 
in our maturity. Amen. And there's going to be things then that we put on as a result of having put those things off, those works of the flesh. But we're going to put on the fruit of the spirit. Amen. And our lives will be enriched as a result of that. Amen. And so today that sums up for us this morning, the fruit of the spirit. Uh, next Sunday morning, we will not uh, be be walking the road of of a particularly a lesson from this series. I'll probably be preaching next Sunday morning, Resurrection Sunday. Amen. And so we'll be involving in that. But we'll pick up uh, two weeks then, I guess, from this Sunday back on our discipleship series. And we'll be talking about spiritual warfare. Amen. I do want to pray this morning, the Masons, if they would come uh, today. I do want to pray. I don't want to ever uh, end our services or our time together without a moment of prayer, amen, and consideration. Because we do want these nine aspects of the fruit of the Spirit to uh, flourish in our lives. We want the love and joy and peace, yes, and just as appropriately as the long-suffering and the temperance and the goodness and gentleness and faith and so on and so forth in our lives as well. I want to mature in the Lord. I want to mature in the Lord. We all would believe that uh, in the natural, if we had a child that was born and it never grew and it never learned to walk or crawl and it could never put a couple words together and it was constantly gibberish uh, from that day forward, we would all raise our eyebrow and know that something wasn't quite right because it, it, it is natural for there to be growth. There is natural for maturity to take place and some advancement to take place in just a very natural child. Well, being a born again believer, child of God, likewise, uh, it should be a natural due process that there is, there is maturity that starts to take place and there are some things. That, that, that you could not accomplish before that you can accomplish now because X number of years have been spent, amen, with the Lord. And so if not, we need to take a closer look at that because there could be something problematic going on in our relationship with the Lord. And so we want to make sure that is sure. But I want to pray today, amen, that these this fruit of the Spirit would be alive in our lives as Christians and that uh, it would help us live our life from day to day, amen, and that we would make wise choices and wise decisions uh, with heaven in mind uh, that we would take his yoke upon us and, and see how that is fitting to us so that we could learn, so that we could learn of him. Amen. Can you help me right now as we pray there in your individual homes? Father, I come to you today. I'm thankful, Lord, for your word. I'm thankful, Lord God, for these things, Lord, that can come to surface in our life as we mature and grow in the word of God and the will of God and the spirit, Lord, that we have received. I pray, oh God, that we are your word. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.